Welcome to the Monetary Mixtape with Will Hoffman, founder of Hoffman Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help fellow Gen Xers simplify complex wealth issues that are important to Gen X. We do this by cutting out the mundane material and using a refreshing approach to finances in a way this skipped generation appreciates. Join us for this ride where we explore financial planning and wealth management as Will Hoffman draws from almost 20 years of experience and brings to you qualified guests to help be your latchkey to tricky monetary affairs. Welcome to Monetary Mixtape with your host, Will Hoffman, where we talk about the ever forgotten Generation X. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey there, Will. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Wendy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. I have high hopes for 2023. And we have a guest with us today. Yes, yes. Very excited to to move into 2023. And, and the New Year is always uh, a fun time to talk about um you know, where we see the world and, and how we see the next 12 months uh, from, a, from an economic standpoint. So joining us today is Jeffrey Roach from LPL Research, our chief economist that, that supports uh, the research that goes into, you know, a lot of the, the talking points that, that we have with our clients and, and put on the show. So Jeff, welcome to the Monetary Mixtape. Hey, fantastic to be with you. Uh, and uh, Wendy, Will, both of you, um, uh, an early Happy New Year. Yes. So, um, so we do every year, um, we have the annual outlook that LPL research produces, provides to us that we send along to our clients, and it really gives us a lot of themes for the year. Uh, whether it's investing, whether it's, it's, you know, wealth management, financial planning standpoint, and, and importantly, and where your input comes in is from a broad economic standpoint. So, um, just just before we get into the outlook, a uh, quick introduction of, of you and LPL Research and, and how you support us and, and our clients. Yes. Yeah, so, Will, yeah, thanks for highlighting the outlook. Um, we'll talk more about that. Uh, super excited about the theme. Uh, didn't quite use the graphics that I wanted, by the way. So just before I talk about, I, you know, I, I, in my mind, as I was thinking, you know, supply and demand curves, right? I mean, it's all right, the economics, right. the equilibrium, the balance. So I, I sent to our uh, marketing team and and some of my colleagues this, you know, this picture of, uh, you know, I don't know if you, you you can have this in your mind's eye, but it's, the, you know, these old pictures of these guys riding these old fashioned bikes where the front wheel is, you know, like five feet tall, right, you know, yeah. and then the back wheels, this tiny little thing. And so I, you know, I had, you know, finding balance, playing up the, you know, just the weirdness of riding a bike like that. And then of course, you know, as it ties into, you know, supply and demand type of imbalances, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it turned out to be a really fun project, but yes, I'm chief economist for uh, LPL. We have a, a great team. Uh, Mark Zabicki is our fearless leader trying to herd all of us butterflies moving around. And uh, he's got the he's got the hard job to do, but uh, you know we cover you know bonds, equities, big picture, you know global macro. We we cover um, technicals, a look at commodities. So we really try to cover uh, you know as much of the world as possible from all our different angles. And so the team is growing and still growing. It's going to be growing even more in 2023. So very excited about that. 
Um, so my, my background as an economist, I started my uh, a career coming out of graduate school, uh, working on a PhD, coming on the corporate trading desk at Bank of America. So and we were talking about uh, Wall Street uh, before we went live on this podcast. And boy, I tell you, it was like learning another language. I thought okay. I knew a lot. And uh, and then I came on a trading floor. But that's how I learned. I learned my craft. It was a great experience, but it it was crazy. Now, and were you in on the, the exchange or on a trading floor um, for Bank of America? Right. So Bank of America is headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's where okay. I sit uh, uh, today as well, uh, but started the career back on the corporate desk. So this okay. was pre-Dodd-Frank. So oh, wow. this was uh, this was proprietary trading. Uh, so on the corporate desk, we didn't care about clients. Uh, we weren't on the retail side. Well, all we cared about was, you know, maximizing trading revenues uh, for the firm. So we were gotcha. trading the bank's money. Uh, it was it was like I said, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a great place to start. But uh, yeah, corporate trading desk in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, was there for a few years. And, uh, you know, finally realized, you know, as a, as a growing family realized, you know, I really do like, um, maybe a little less pressure in my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I, when I think of a trading desk, I always think of, you know, the, the movie wall street from the eighties and, and Bud Fox, um, you know, sitting at the trading desk with at that time, there were phone cords all over the place and people running back and forth and, you know, some of the high pressure, abusive language that they would throw back and forth to one another. And then, uh, and then, then even with Shia LaBeouf in the sequel, they, um, or in the reboot, I guess that they, uh, still had the, the trading desk, but he was on the bank side there. So yeah, I, I never made it to a trading desk. I don't know that I would have had the, the, uh, the gumption to, to sit there and go through those high pressure situations, but I, I, I see what you mean. When you say trading desk, do you mean like on the floor, like what we see, like with the yelling and the papers and the and all of that? Yeah, so so it's a little bit different than the retail desk. So you know, in in a lot of times when you know they present things, you know, in the movies, it's you know this the phone phone calls or whatever, you know, back right. in the day, uh, you know, talking to clients. In this sense, yes, all the craziness, all the yelling, all the shenanigans. However, the difference is, you know, we had we had one client really, and that was, you know, the CEO of the bank. <laughs> Got it. Uh, so, you know, there was that that's a slightly different um, you know, purpose of, right. of what you're trying to do. But in terms of, you know, the action, you know, as an economist, I was sitting right there next to the traders. And so when anything came across my Bloomberg screen, okay, the traders would, you know, yell and say, well, what does this mean? Right. You know, it, it, <laughs> in that sense, you know, there's, there's not much of a difference where you're, you're getting inundated with data and you're looking at your screens and you're figuring out, you know, I, I need to be the first one to figure out what the trend is, what the trajectory the right. is, an inflection point, things of that nature. So it's it's very exciting. Uh, but in some ways, I, I love the corporate desk because we didn't care about that. We didn't have the retail side sure. to bother us, if you will. Right. Yeah. Now we yell through email and you have 17,000 of us yelling 
Yeah, right. Jeff, what does this mean? Right. 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 Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but Jerome Powell's at the microphone. What does this mean? Right. A great place to learn the markets. Um, and, you know, I realized, you know, that there's there's value in textbook knowledge. But let me tell you, there's a lot of value in, you know, boots on the ground experience. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved from a corporate trading desk to a portfolio manager and chief economist for an asset management firm, uh, institutional money management. Mm -hmm. So very much involved in um, those conversations of the portfolio allocation. You know, what does it mean to be overweight, underweight relative to a benchmark and things of that nature? So I did that for several years. Uh, and that was that was fantastic. Most recently, before LPL came from Silicon Valley, uh, working at Visa. Oh, so, wow. Uh, that was that was quite fun and invigorating to be in the Silicon Valley um, world, but I, I will have to say it's it's nice to be back in the southeast. Nice, especially uh, as we head into winter here. Yeah, I, I I can't say that I blame you. I wanted to bring up something that that we talked about uh, before we we started recording. Um, you know, as we talk about you know the movie Wall Street, and we were talking about the movie Top Gun. You had a, a really interesting statistic about generation x and and uh, our impact on the economy so you know we we data wonks you know love to look at uh, the numbers and you know the government is able to track uh <laughs> More than what we probably want them to track, right? But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> right. That's not uh, where we want to go here. But in terms of looking at, you know, how different generations spend their money. And uh, one of the things that hit me, and I highlighted this before we started the call, but it's worth talking about, you know, Gen Xers spend a large share of their annual total spending on entertainment. Um, we, you know, I'm a, I'm a Gen X here. So, you know, we like to be entertained. And uh, when you think about Gen Z's and millennials and then, and then the boomers and the silent generation, all of those, you say, okay, it's, it's, it's notable where, yeah. you know, how Gen X spends on entertainment. Can I ask what is considered entertainment? Are we talking about video games? Are we talking about movies? Are we talking about concerts? Yeah, amusement parks, all that you mentioned, Wendy, anything, you know, that's related to, you know, what what we do in our spare time, um, you know, so, you know, uh, those those kind of, um, you know, specifically movies and uh, amusement parks, recreation, things of that nature. So okay. I'll consider entertainment. So thinking about, um, you know, the last 12 months or 18 months, and, and as we head into 2023, um, how how do you see um, economically that impacting Generation X? Knowing that you know we're going to Disney, we are going to the movies, or now you know watching movies in in much different ways than we were uh, three or four years ago. How do you see that impacting Gen X now? Right, right. So so Gen X has a large share of you know home ownership. Right, the home ownership rates are are high. And so in many ways, you know, inflation doesn't hit the Gen X crowd like it hits other particularly lower, lower cohorts. Okay. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, it is a tough time for lower income rental households. Okay. You, know, you think about it, you know, if you are smart enough to refinance, you know, I moved from Silicon Valley to Charlotte, North Carolina you know, well, I closed on the contract and, and negotiations at the end of 2020. I have a two, okay. per, two and a half percent rate. <laughs> wow. Bought a house before housing went crazy. 
and we have a fixed rate. So you, you think about this dynamic of very low mortgage rate payments, and then you think about the the percentage of the economy that has to deal with rental increases. And I think, you know, in some ways, you know, the the upper income, those that are in the peak earning years, Gen X is, is in that category, peak right. earners right now. It, I think it's a call for um, graciousness and consideration to those that are feeling inflation a lot worse than the Gen Xers. Sure. You know, we don't, we don't have to worry about a, uh, you know, a 35% monthly increase in rent uh, right. for that nature, you know, and, and inflation impacts uh, Gen X much differently and much less than other generations. I think that's, it's a, it's a call for, like I said, a call for a um, greater understanding for those yeah. that, that are in a much tighter spot. Uh, unfortunately, it's kind of like the tale of two economies. Uh, it's the haves and have nots. And if you if you're in the haves, and and maybe you know, a little footnote, the haves would be you know home ownership, steady job, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, if you're sure. in that category, yes, you have to deal with higher eggs prices, right? Right. You know, higher dairy costs and that kind of thing. But the vast chunk of what you spend money on, which is housing, has been fairly flat. Okay. Yeah, and that that's um. You know, as we have our our discussions with our clients, that, that's hearing the spectrum of of the inflation impact over the last twelve months has been very very different. Um, you know, when it comes to boomers being retired and and in their distribution phase, they're feeling inflation a little bit differently. While they don't have a mortgage or aren't really shopping for a house or something at, at this point. Um, they are concerned with their spending because their their money has to last for for the rest of their lives. Well, and medical we talk, care, yeah, medical yeah. care, medical services have been really a little bit of that outlier. Yeah, in fact, you know, just to tie it into you know the the most recent uh, press conference from Chair Powell, it's all about those core services, X housing, and, and and you know to put that in everyday English for Main Street, it's medical care services. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And that's one of the things that is concerning for those that are, you know, the measuring and, and tracking the inflation dynamics right now. Right. And our, our younger clients who have, you know, just started their careers or are in the very, very early stages of their careers that um, are trying to advance their lives, buy homes, get married, all the, you know, inflation is impacting them. Um, and, and they feel like it's delaying. And, and, you know, when I talk to my peers, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, Late Gen X, you know, sometimes get lumped into that exennial um, cohort. Um, yeah, the cost of daycare has gone up for us and our kids, but like you said, we we are firmly in our homes, we are firmly in our jobs. We hope, um, and and that inflation conversation is much different with with the generation. So thank you, thank you for that insight. That's yeah, Disney's going to be a bit more expensive, and maybe we vacation a little differently this year, but. You know that that's there's greater um, things to worry about from a from a broad based economic standpoint. Um, as we talk about the 2023 annual outlook, finding balance, um, which we will be having a um, a video that we we're going to do um, the, the presentation kind of webinar style that we put uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, what what were some of the major themes that went into 2023, um, or that you see in 2023 emerging? Um, you know, specifically on, on how you think that may impact Generation X? 
Well, it's it's kind of the next stage of uh, what we've called, say, in previous years, you know, 2021, for example, you know, the reopenings, you know, sure. that was kind of the, the conversation. I think I think what we were trying to get at with the 2023 outlook was, you know, it's this next chapter in the reopening, meaning, you know, we're starting to see a little better improvement in supply chains, the movement of goods and services across economies, regions of the world. And so, you know, we're finding that balance uh, and it's playing off of that inflection point between, you know, 2020 government shutters so many of the businesses, everything moves to online. We shift as consumers from, you know, this the services spending to all goods spending. We've pulled forward a lot of our goods spending, right? So, you know, we bought our furniture, bought our appliances, did our housing renovations, that kind of thing for, you know, home offices. 2023 is going to be a little bit of a challenge because we're, we're not going to have the same level of goods purchases in 2023 because it was pulled forward this year. Okay. And we'll probably have the risk, that recession where we talk about the higher recession risks in 2023. It's not necessarily a done deal because the right. data is just, hey, we're slowing down. Now, in fact, uh, just a little bit of a, you know, kind of a side note, when you think about our 2023 outlook, it's really important to pair it with our 2022 mid-year outlook. It really comes together. You know, you don't okay. want to think about, hey, here's one outlook, here's another outlook. No, it's really chapter one and chapter two, the same book. You know, we're talking about managing turbulence. That's what it was, you know, several months ago, managing turbulence in this soft-ish landing, meaning we know the economy is slowing a lot of pressures that are, you know, going to suppress uh, economic activity. And, you know, we had that picture of the airplane, you know, right. on the front page of, of the, of the mid-year outlook. Well, it, now it's, it's, it's finding that balance as we approach kind of that next stage of a post pandemic world. Yes. Things are more expensive. If you own a restaurant or own a services type of industry, you're not going to have the same kind of volume, right? We've, we took out, 20% of the tables in the restaurant, right? right. You're just not going to have the same kind of volume. So yes, you're going to have to spread those costs over a, a fewer number of, of uh, customers, but we're, we're finding that, you know, balance between how, how are we going to, you know, the demand and supply find that beautiful equilibrium point that, Hey, may not exist in real life, but in theory, you were trying to find that equilibrium point that we're always searching for, right? It's a, it's an ongoing um, quest to right. find equilibrium. Well, and, and that supply demand conversation is always intriguing. It, it's an often misunderstood concept that uh, consumers don't always quite wrap their heads around, or it's it's an ever moving concept. Also, where supply demand can change, you know, day to day. Um, and, and if I'm hearing correctly, if we've put pulled that goods spending forward. Seeing that slow should bode well for the inflation impact. Am I understanding that correctly? That, that's exactly right. So one of the challenges this past year has been the supply constraints being one of the major contributors to inflation. And, and the Fed has no control over that. Right. Zero, you know, they, their toolbox doesn't address that problem. Now we're starting to see with supply chains improve, it, it really is a demand uh, point. You know, people okay. savings, people are still spending, Gen X, really, right? Because they still have discretionary monies that they're spending. And so, you know, that that 
aggregate demand, that strong demand has been up, uh, pushing up inflation. Now that uh, it, you know, demand is kind of going to slow, the economy's perhaps going to be in a recession first half of the year, it's going to be a demand slowdown. That's exactly what the Fed wants to see, meaning okay. tighter policy will actually have an impact. And, you know, and I think in, in the U.S. at least, it, it, I think that conversation of peak uh, inflation, have we passed it? The answer is yes. And I think that's why markets, in some ways, even though we're struggling in the in the last recent days, markets have have recovered from the lows of October. Obviously, those of June, right? You kind of right. repassed that bottom, and now we're you know we're, we're still you know at that thirty nine hundred type level at the S and P, uh, and that's because inflation is on the right trajectory. It's still yes, very very hot, way above the Fed's target. But the direction is right. We're, we're, we're cooling down. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the Monetary Mixtape because you want to learn about financial planning and wealth management. If you have any questions at the end, please head over to www.hoffmanwealth.com or look in the show notes to schedule a call with us. Okay, well, good. That's, that's good to hear. And, and, you know, when we talk about uh, 2023. What what opportunities do you see, um, and, and specifically for Gen X, but whether it's you know equities or bonds or um, you know general economic opportunities in general, where do you see those? Yeah, I think you know. Speaking of Gen X and those that are you know still earning uh, an income, they're not quite in that distribution phase as you mentioned early in the call. I think it's it's possible that Gen Xers particularly can can look outside the traditional asset classes and, and look at the alternative classes and say, hey, you know, 2023 might be a great year for, you know, increased exposure to alternative assets. Okay. Um, you know, so I think another uh, opportunity potentially in 2023, maybe in the latter half, is, you know, looking outside of the U.S., so we've been focusing, even in you know in our publication and in, in the outlook, we, you know we focused about the relative stability of dollar-denominated assets. Treasuries are still a safe haven, you know, whenever there's concern globally, and and that's and that's still going to hold for for a little bit. But as things normalize globally, I think it's fair again to have that. As I say, it, it should be an agenda item on uh, the conversation. Yeah of when to look, you know, internationally being careful, you know, careful on, you know, what the goal is and adjusting for risk, but look outside the borders of the U.S. eventually and in the alternative class as well. Well, and especially as, you know, China's going through their early stages of reopening right now, um, you know, they've, they've had a little bit stricter response than, than we have, um, you see some opportunities there as well. Eventually, it may be a little bit too early to say because one of the things that that is a concern, I think, from the China standpoint, is you know just like we saw here in the U.S. when when the policies and quarantine and restrictions are relaxed a bit, you can imagine this tidal wave of millions of people, you know, <laughs> finally saying, okay, we're allowed to go out. We have greater mobility. We right. can travel. We can, you know, do what we did, you know, back in 2019. Uh, and so this tidal wave of demand could replicate what we saw here in the U.S. And that's, 
you know, that's kind of a major, you know, uh, speed bump that we'll just have to track and see how smoothly uh, that that can kind of work its way through. But but they're, it, it, I guess you could, in some ways, they're, you know, they're behind us in that um, we haven't seen that tidal wave of demand flow out yet right. because of the relaxing of mobility and and restrictions and testing, et cetera. Okay. Uh what about you know warning signs, things that that we need to be cautious of or watching for, and we're, and we're going to discuss all of this in our video um, that that kind of gets launched uh, at the same time as as this episode. But uh, what big warnings do you see um, that we should keep our eyes on? Well, you know, I think I think one of the biggest challenges that that's a little bit of an unknown uh, and certainly a risk is if the job market really deteriorates, then if we do indeed fall into a recession next year, it's not going to be this short and shallow conversation, right? Because part of what's propping up the economy, even amid very high inflation rates, is you have excess stock of savings and you have a fairly uh, decent labor market, depending on you know what category you're looking at. Hence, the unemployment rate is still very low. That's why the the Federal Reserve is so concerned about uh, the tightness of the labor market. So, you know, a big risk that we need to just be be mindful of is a deteriorating labor market will flow into uh, a consumer being hit a little bit harder than uh, what we're projecting for for right now for for 2023. Okay. What's your favorite part of the annual outlook this year? What what's what are you guys most proud of with with uh, what you've given to us to present to our clients and, and to the world? Yeah, I, well, I I think part of it is you know as we we kind of move from ultra low interest rates, you know, it's that opportunity to say bonds will act like bonds again. Maybe that, <laughs> that was you know maybe that was one of the uh, you know you know comforting moments that we could write about say okay we, we know inflation's cooling uh kind of getting back to uh you know much lower rates of inflation you know i think that was you know a, a, a good thing to write about and and the bond component yeah i think uh you know there's a little bit of um you know i think comfort to know that this environment is not like you know 2004 and 5 where you know the market was just going crazy, particularly in housing, you know, and then once things started tightening, and of course, you know, Lehman blows blows up, right. and we had all these, um, you know, collateralized debt obligations and collateralized loan obligations, CLOs and CDOs, as we say, um, you, you know, we don't have that kind of risk lurking in the background that we know of yet. And okay. Who knows? It's possible. But it was nice to be able to write about 2023 saying, you know, we're not expecting a Lehman moment. So that's very different yeah. as we talk about recession risks than well, saying different know, than we, the last two, I guess, three recessions. If we're counting, you know, the COVID year is, is, a, right. is a technical recession. Everything's had this giant singular event, whether it was the tech wreck or Lehman Brothers or. Um, you know, COVID, th this will be at least at the very least a um, eventless type of, of slowdown. Yeah. Um, well, it, it doesn't get too deep. Yeah. Well, and pulling it back to uh, Gen Xers here, I was, uh, was, was in uh, grad school at the time, but uh, I'm sure there were plenty of those that were remembering in real time being in the industry with long-term capital management blowing up. Yeah. You know, in late 
late nineties. Um, so, you know, that kind of, you know, these stories where there is a trigger point, you know, something happened that kind of started the dominoes, if you will, <laughs> you, you, we don't see that. And that's always something when you think about risks, so you yeah. asked me will earlier about that. Yeah. I think, you know, in terms of risks, well, we're looking for those events that would be a shock. Uh, and interestingly enough, you know, we did have a shock in Q1 of this year with Russia invading Ukraine. Right. And, uh, but yet that wasn't a large enough shock to really derail uh, the, you know, the global economy. Gotcha. So if our listeners would like to follow more from LPL Research, there's a lot of ways that, that they can do it. Um, you know, always our content that, that we publish on our website and through LinkedIn is is a great way. Um, but there's a lot of other ways, a lot of podcasts, a lot of videos. You want to uh, highlight that real quick? Yeah, I think one of the things um, you think about our LPLresearch.com website, uh, I think, uh, you know, the the blogging and that kind of thing, you can go straight to LPL.com and go under newsroom and have our weekly market commentary and our podcasts and uh, the different videos that we do. We have a YouTube channel. Um, one, one thing too, I think uh, some advisors have found it really helpful to follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Yes, uh, I, I literally just before this call, I got a uh, a request from a little more from an advisor uh, saying, "Hey, that you posted this chart on inflation. I don't know, Will, if you saw it, but I I did this little uh, inflation dashboard. So yes, you know all these different ways in which to measure inflation. I just color coded it like you can do in Excel. It's you know it's not rocket science." <laughs> you know, red to yellow to green, that kind of thing. But this inflation dashboard, I think it's a really nice visual snapshot on, you know, where we are in different components of inflation uh, and different ways of measuring inflation. I, I literally got a request saying, hey, can you, what was happening about five months, six months before your chart started? <laughs> you know, cause you know, hey, the, you know, we're not gonna have, uh, you know, the, the real estate to to show that chart too far out. Um, but, you know, follow uh, follow me on, on Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. Of course, follow the whole team, uh, LPL Research. And uh, we're, you know, the, the point that we're trying to do is we're, we're you know, we're looking at things that uh, perhaps, you know, the general mainstream media is not publishing. And uh, we want to provide uh, value add for what that market narrative is. And sometimes, well, and many times you have to go beyond the headlines and look in, in, into the details. Yes. Well, and, and you, you folks are always popping up on the major networks, CNBC and Bloomberg, uh, Fox business, um, Yahoo finance, all of those. So, so there's a lot of opportunities to, to hear from LPL, LPL research and, and see them um, all over. So I really want to thank you, Jeff, for joining us. Um, look forward to having you back maybe around the mid-year outlook. Uh, we'll be looking at some, hopefully some warmer weather at the very least at that point. And, um, and you know, and, and see how uh, the annual outlook is, is um, started to play itself out and how uh, you guys see the rest of the year. Fantastic. Well, good to be with you. And uh, we'll look forward to further conversations. Yes. Um, as we look forward into 2023, I'm, I've said this before on, on previous episodes, this has been a very fun project for us, this monetary mixtape podcast. Um, I'm enjoying myself a, a lot. I enjoy, you know, spending time with you all and with Wendy and, and the guests that we have on, uh, we have some really exciting guests coming up for, for 2023. Uh, we're going to do a, a series on 
education funding, but not just education funding from a savings standpoint. We're going to have some folks to help us um, navigate the financial aid uh, tapestry and, and how to fill out those FAFSA forms. We're also going to have an admissions coach to help uh, help Gen X start to get their kids ready uh, earlier for for colleges and and you know, how to fill out the applications, how to do our essays and, and get the most out of the opportunity that lies in front of them. Um, we're going to have some some career counselors on to talk about uh, Gen X and, and navigating through our careers as we start to ascend through uh, positions to leadership in our con- or in our companies. Um, so the, a lot of exciting things to look forward to. Um, and as always, we're going to infuse the, the Gen X pop culture into all of those conversations because as as we have uncovered, it was a generation unlike any other. We we took rock and roll and turned it into grunge and heavy metal, and then hip hop, and uh, you know saw some of the greatest movies uh, in history emerge. Some of the greatest artists. We haven't even scratched the surface of my favorite part of Gen X, which is sports. So there's a lot of things that, that we're going to get into, um, and and talk about the sports heroes. Uh, one of them, one of my uh, sports heroes, is starting to to creep into the news and ascend in, in his career. We see Deion Sanders, now the head coach at uh, the Colorado Buffaloes and, and watching Coach Prime uh, start to to lead young men, um, you know, in a Power Five conference is going to be really, really fun to watch. Um, so a lot of exciting things coming. Um, as always, you can find us at HoffmanWealth.com. Uh, find me, Will Hoffman, on uh, LinkedIn. And uh, our Hoffman Wealth Management YouTube channel is where the um, – Annual outlook presentation is going to be uh, shortly, um, but but from us, happy new year! Looking forward to a, a healthy and prosperous twenty twenty three, and uh, look forward to to all the topics coming up. Wendy, you want to take us home? Well, I am looking forward to all of the things that you just mentioned. So, uh, stay tuned. And as Will said, happy new year. Thank you for joining us today on Monetary Mixtape. Please like, follow, and share with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Don't bounce just yet. The streetlights haven't come on. Thank you for listening to the Monetary Mixtape podcast. If you thought this episode was dope, then click the follow button to be notified when we drop a new episode. Visit our website at hoffmanwealth.com. Or give us a call at 724-522-5411. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hoffman Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and Hoffman Wealth Management are separate entities from LPL Financial. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly.